0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for
1: brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt Pauley. it is time for brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile my name is matt Pauley. it is great to have you with us as we continue to get closer and closer and closer to a potential baseball season uh, there seems to be Some uh, peaks and valleys, ups and downs. There's a roller coaster aspect to everything that's going on in terms of if we're going to have baseball or not. I still think baseball is going to be played. I think the players and owners are going to be able to work through everything and get to a point where they play baseball, but they've got a lot of work to do. We're recording this on uh, Sunday evening, and uh, as I speak right now, they still have a lot of work to do, and quite honestly, they don't have a ton of time to get it done if they want to have spring training starting at uh, some point uh, during the month of June, maybe early to mid-June for an early July start. So a lot to get to. Uh, housekeeping items that we always do here at the top of the podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review and sub- can subscribe to the podcast, that would be fantastic. And also, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. All right. So, if you listen to this podcast every week, you know I've been doing kind of long-form conversations uh, with various people to uh, just sort of talk about what they do, their their paths to where they're at, and everything. A lot of people that we really don't have on this podcast very often. I'm I'm taking a pause from that format for at least one week, and we'll see what happens. And this is going to be kind of more of a, a conventional podcast because it's been a really busy last week or so in terms of the different uh, things that have been discussed Regarding what baseball will look like when it comes back, the huge document that Major League Baseball gave to players about health and safety, and then uh, the different financial constraints that uh, baseball could potentially be under. And there's arguments about really w- what that really looks like, and even some minor league stuff as well in terms of the draft, how many rounds it's going to be, whether there's going to be a minor league baseball season this year. So I wanted to, as I've really enjoyed doing these conversations here recently and I would think that we'll probably have at least a couple more of those here moving forward. But at least for one week, with everything that has happened, I wanted to pause on that and talk about current stuff. So uh, it's still a long-form conversation because it's a long conversation with the guy that I'm about to uh, bring in. I mentioned earlier we've been having a lot of people on lately who we don't generally have on the podcast. Well, here's someone who we do have on the podcast fairly often. Uh, He is part of the great team over at Brew Crew ball you can follow him on twitter at brew crew blue as mentioned brad a very normal common reoccurring guest here on the podcast brad it's been a while since you've been on i think this is the longest we've ever gone since your very first appearance on the podcast the longest we've gone without having you back on so we're happy to have you back on hello
0: it's almost like baseball has been being played or something to that extent. Uh,
1: so of everybody at Brew Crew Ball who's been impacted by this, and clearly everybody's been impacted in a really big way, I think it's pretty easy to make the argument that you have maybe been impacted the most because you're the guy that hunkers in on a night-to-night basis and goes through every single minor league box score and you're watching 9 million games on MILB-TV and you know everything that's going on in the organization from the major league level all the way down to to short season ball. What has this been like for you where, yeah, you're stuck at home, but you you don't have these responsibilities and obligations at night that you normally have?
0: I'd be lying if I didn't say it was at least a little nice, because <laughs> there are times, especially once the short season leagues kick in, where I am—I um, just want to make sure it's done. You know, our editor, Kyle, wakes up at five in the morning and wants to get everything scheduled and posted. And I want to make sure my work's done for him. So there will be times where I stay up till midnight, 1 a.m. And now I can actually kind of have somewhat of a normal sleep schedule, which is a, a nice thing that I normally don't get in the summer because of my own doing admittedly but at the same time like i i do miss it like i do miss getting excited about what prospect c is doing that people weren't really following in the summer um you know at this point we were getting excited about what trent grisham was accomplishing at double a biloxi yeah and not having those stories those little tidbits to follow and you know really dig into get excited about um has been definitely upsetting it's upsetting not to have those stories it's upsetting not to have that normal but i'm trying to enjoy it for what it is and that i have time in a in a time where i normally wouldn't have it um so i actually have seconds in the day that i can count but uh, at least we have something somewhat normal coming up in the MLB draft. So now I'm starting to get some normal coverage on there. But all of us have been struggling uh, because we don't know what to write about. <laughs> it's been t- – aside from trying to get the MLB season back, we don't really know what's there to write about. So yeah, it's it's been
1: interesting. I mean, sites like Brew Crew Ball and even you know, Sports re- it's <sighs> – how many conversations can you have about you know creating this bracket or this Mount Rushmore or this hypothetical situation what would happen or this great moment and, and I mean everybody's doing a great job trying to come up with content but it's really been it, it's been interesting to watch everybody try to figure out their area to go in to try to do something to create some sort of interesting content and, and I think you guys have done a, a pretty solid job here recently
0: well, I appreciate it. It helps that uh, we have a overseeing S- or entity in SB Nation, which has been great at giving us topics to kind of flow off of. So we just did what if week. Uh, so I did what if the Brewers won the 2019 Wild Card game and whether or not they would fate match up well against the Dodgers in that series. I argued without Christian Yelich, it would actually be hard to recreate his success that the nationals had because the nationals not only had an mvp candidate and anthony rendon they had juan soto they had a stellar rotation which could go toe-to-toe with a very good rotation that the dodgers had and the dodgers also had a plethora of lefty starters which the brewers weren't very good against in 2019 so y- looking at things like that, we've been doing the out-of-the-park season simulator, which it seems a lot of sites have been doing and seeing how a, a digital brewers team would handle things. Um, so just, just trying to survive on what little baseball information there can be out there. But we've been lucky enough to get some guidance, which I know some of the uh, blogs that don't have a parent company to help them go through something like this, don't have. I'm very grateful for that. We've been able to have that type of guidance. And in order for us to provide content to fans who obviously really need it during this.
1: Yeah. It's, it, if you go to any SBDation site, you'll see the, you know, the the what would have been series basically going on across the board. It's been, it's been actually kind of fun. I've, I've come across some really some odd one. Like I was on the, I think I was on the Indiana one lately uh, recently. For I don't know why I ended up on like the University of Indiana SB Nation page, and they did the they did one where it was what if what if they had hired Jerry Tarkanian at one point as their men's basketball coach. And, like that's just it's stuff like that's kind of fun to read through and and think about those those very odd scenarios that could have played out.
0: Right. Uh, You know, one of the favorite ones for fans to look back on is I think you see a lot through baseball uh, for people who drafted before the Los Angeles Angels. What happens if my team took Mike Trout? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get into like the really clever ones where it's, you know, w- what if the Celtics and Lakers switch conferences? What if... uh you know, Joe DiMaggio actually were able to finish his career um, uh, without the missed years. Where he went to war. Uh, so it, yeah, it, it was a fun little series that really gets the brain thinking. And it's kind of hard to come up with those, especially ones that hadn't been uh, accomplished or things that aren't hard to like look at from a. Because I can ask like the first thing that came to my mind was like, what if Prince Fielder never left? It's like, yeah, what if Prince Fielder never left? Like, I don't know what his stats would be like. They would be way different than they was in Detroit because he's a left-handed power hitter playing in Miller Park. Uh, Will they be similar to what they were in Texas? Does he get a neck injury? Like, you all of a sudden become in this, like, alternate timeline that you cannot actually predict or write about because who knows? Uh, So it just becomes... A uh, kind of a, a tunnel where eventually your mind starts fighting itself while trying to think about the idea, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, and you know we have more ideas down the pipeline following that. Can I Thankfully, give you one? I'm... Can I give you one?
1: Oh, always. Okay. And you don't don't feel like you have to go with this. If you don't do it, it's fine. But I think it'd be I think it's pretty interesting. What if Jimmy Nelson would have made the big turn at first base? Ooh. They Is missed, he still an ace? They missed the playoffs by one game that year, so it has implica- And they You go look and see who they started in games like after that Jimmy Nelson injury, uh, the, so you can play it out that way of the what would have happened that year, but also where he was at on his career trajectory, you can play it out that way too. So I think it's kind of got a, a double-pronged aspect to it.
0: Right, and they signed Chase Anderson to that extension. Is that Jimmy Nelson's extension?
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's really interesting, because how do the dominoes fall after that? And also, you're looking at a specific period of season where you don't necessarily have to calculate everything out of there, but you also don't have to avoid anything, because they still ended up paying him in all the seasons. Mm -hmm. They never really acquired
1: any big starting pitcher anyway. So... And let me, let me play this one out, too. So, let's say they make the postseason that year. We already knew they were ahead of schedule, but if they make the postseason that year, they're really ahead of schedule. Do they still feel the pressure to go sign Lorenzo Cain and acquire Christian Yelich coming off a year where they did make the postseason versus coming off a year where they missed the postseason by – it was either a game or two games. I think it was one game if I remember correctly, but that doesn't really matter. Does that change any of the offseason thinking if they are a postseason club?
0: I think, it, I think it stays the same, right? Because the whole reason they jump-started it was because they knew they were on an accelerated timeline, so they needed to acquire talent. The outfield was one of the powerful parts of that 2017, and they still redid the complete, almost the entire outfield. Yeah. Um, so just talking that through here, it's a very interesting thing to look at. But at the same time, um, I think the other thing that was happening in the organization was you had several... Br- uh, and some people minimize this, and I do think that it's worth minimizing to an extent. But you had a lot of prospects on a countdown timer where they did need to be added to the 40-man roster, along with a swelling talent pool of players who deserve to be on the 40-man roster already there.
1: Yeah. So there you go. So If you want to do that one, feel free.
0: <laughs> See, I just got to go and uh, message you whenever I get stuck on, like, what the heck
1: should I be doing? <laughs> I, I've I've talked about that before. I think that's one of the biggest like moments that's not really talked about in franchise history.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's significant because yeah. it does really change that entire outlook. Um, Cause even then you're, do they sign Wade Miley? I, I think they still sign at least Miley or Chasine.
1: Probably Chassin. Yeah. Uh, no, they may not. they, there's not that same need. I mean, if you if you're walking into spring training with that group that they had plus Jimmy Nelson, they probably don't sign Wade Miley. Yeah,
0: I, or they don't sign Chasen and you get Wade Miley. Yeah, but, I mean, both were integral parts of that rotation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about some uh, like current day stuff. That's why uh, that's why we've got you on. It's been a uh, it's been interesting last week. So the <laughs> the 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 safety protocols. That Major League Baseball presented this past week, where no high fiving, no fist pounds, no spitting, no chewing tobacco, no uh, no talk. The first and third base coaches can't come up and talk to uh, players. Fielders are supposed to move away from base runners in between pitches. Uh, players who are not active in games need to be sitting in the stands. You're not supposed to take showers at the ballpark. Let's start here. Is this doable?
0: I We were talking a little bit about this on my other podcast uh that I do, MKE Tailgate.
1: Yeah, you can give love to it. We I love those guys. We're all good. They're fine. Yeah. I
0: deal with them. Uh no, I love them dearly. If they ever listen to this, I I don't mean that. Please don't kick me off. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and we were talking about I think the issue here becomes that you're dealing with players who Won't necessarily take this seriously. Won't necessarily... Maybe don't have the maturity to take it seriously. Therefore, won't listen to the... Directions being given. So, uh, initially, like week one or two, you come in and this is... Very important, must follow to the T rules. But then as you go on, things get less important things get less strict it becomes oh corona who cares all of a sudden you have a guy licking microphones it it is just one of those things where i wonder if i don't think it it could be sustained some of those rules are already being her implemented in the kbo and used across seas uh you know like the no spitting makes a lot of sense it's a disease that spreads through basically your spit mo- or spit being in the air or being touched in any way, shape or form. And if someone's, if you spit, someone steps on the spit and then you do it. But also how many of those things are just ingrained into the baseball player's muscle memory, like a a pitcher licking his uh, fingers, rubbing them on the brim of the hat and then grabbing the ball. Yeah. Now you have a contaminated ball. He throws it. It gets hit as a ground ball. The catcher fields it with his non glove hand whips it over to first base. That's three people. All of a sudden you have like a super contaminated ball that's flying around the infield and then gets what chucked in and someone else has to grab it as it gets chucked in replaced with a new ball yeah so you're looking at like a, a difficult scenario where it becomes with how much those are ingrained in muscle memory and how in the maturity slash beliefs of the players themselves some of these guys are 21, 22 years old. They feel invincible. They've been the best player they've, in their area for how long? Do you think they really take it that seriously?
1: Probably not. And you know, let's go to the spitting thing for a second. I never thought we'd be breaking down spitting here on this podcast, but here we are. If you're used to spitting, you're not just going to stop spitting. Like. It, you spit, like when you're doing athletic activity. Sometimes something tastes funny in your mouth, and you just you spit. And I feel like if you're standing in the outfield and you got something funny in your mouth, you're going to spit. Or I feel like if you're a- at home plate and there's some dust in the air, maybe there was just a-, a play at the plate 20 seconds earlier, and you're stepping up, so there's dust in the air, and some of it gets a- what the heck are you supposed to do? If there's dirt in your mouth – how, how do you remove it? Like, you spit. So, to me, like uh, we can go through every single one of these, but the spitting one seems like the one, how do you just not do that? It's something that they, they do during games. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think the hardest thing is, like, you've been doing it for a decade when you're at those positions. How yeah. do you, it, it's, I think it's easy enough not to do in theory, but just, it's going to happen on accident, right?
1: Yes, absolutely i'm not going to be sitting there in the middle of a major league baseball game going can't spit can't spit can't spit can't spit can't spit like no that's that's not what i'm going to be doing so
0: the only way that's top of mind is if you're wearing a mask
1: which they're and not, not going to do that
0: the players would refuse to based on how we know they want to be comfortable they hate anything added to more than what they already need, unless they've gone through an experience that makes them believe it's necessary. I love Jean Carlos Stanton going with the C flap that
1: protects his face after he got hit in the face. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, and I always get really scared of myself when I'm about to make statements I'm about to make. i've as I've, as I've watched so many people who are not doctors and scientists who work as sports radio hosts or political pundits, whatever it might be, make statements that only doctors and scientists should be making. Every time I go into that realm, I, I get a little nervous, so I, I say that to say this. If you've got the mask on, like the the way I understand breathing, you bring in oxygen, you push out CO2. Like, if there's that mask there and you're doing – this doesn't count for just like regular people walking around, but if you are in athletic competition, I feel – feel like the mask could potentially impact the like quality of oxygen you're bringing in that comes from a very non-scientific place brad maybe i'm totally off on that and people can tweet at me if they'd like to and tell me that i'm an idiot uh but i just i feel like that could be a thing
0: i don't know i don't know i'm not a biologist and uh I like to keep my Twitter mentions clear in this time and age. Because <laughs> now I have too much time to ponder the negative ones. <laughs> so I just sit there and go and stew. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to leave you on that that boat alone. I, there's not many boats I'd leave you on alone. But I'm going to leave you on that well, one Well, just
1: from, for me, not, look, I'm not an athlete. I'm nowhere near an athlete. Uh, I, I stopped doing anything competitive in high school. I do like to work out. And I know that... When if and when my gym opens in the relatively near future, I I I may go. And there's no way I would get on the treadmill wearing a mask. I just that's not something that I would feel comfortable with. And I, I feel like that would impact my ability to breathe. And maybe it's in my head and nothing else. But if if Joe Schmo me, some guy who is the farthest thing away from an athlete as anybody is sitting there going, man, I can't wear a mask while. Uh, on a treadmill, like I can't imagine Major League Baseball players would feel comfortable wearing a mask while trying to turn a double into a triple.
0: Yeah, and I mean there is a lot being said just to the mental aspect of it, where if you feel it in, inhibits your ability to breathe, that then inhibits your ability to breathe. That's what anxiety is based around the idea that the belief is strong enough to make the mind create the scenario and make it true. I've been victim of that myself. As a person with anxiety, I've been where I feel like something is making it harder for me to breathe. And therefore, I stop breathing as well via panic attack. And it becomes a reality. Hmm. Whether or not the object is the thing actually making that happen or it's my mind making it happen. There is something to be said for that thought being powerful enough for it to make it true to you.
1: I just – I saw – so I was – I still, okay, I think there's going to be a baseball season. I, I think it's going to get started July 1st. I think they're going to work through all the issues, including some of the stuff we haven't even started to talk about yet. Um, but I, on that confidence meter, my confidence meter went down a little bit when I read all these things because I read all these things and I'm like, you know what? Baseball players aren't going to not take a shower after the game. And they don't even consider the fact, you know, these guys go into the trainer's room a lot, Like, and sometimes you take the shower and then you go into the trainer's room or, or vice versa. Like, there's just – that doesn't work. I feel like the people who made those rules or those recommendations, are. it almost feels like they're showing off to, like, the outside world. It doesn't feel like these are real, really applicable to the game of baseball to me. Maybe I'm just being short-sighted. I don't know.
0: I think it depends on the situation you're in, too. Like, if you're – Sean Doolittle. I think Sean Doolittle appreciates a lot of these measures more than a typical player who doesn't have to go home to someone whose health is comp- or with a compromised health um, that is susceptible to COVID nineteen. So I think it, it. I think it's one of those things where the player, but the players came out and said like, we need safety, we need safety, we need safety, we need safety. The league came back and said these things will keep you safe. They might sound ridiculous, but they'll keep you safe. And that's just the the truth of it. If you don't touch, you're less likely to spread it. The issue becomes then, uh, as we look at, you know, travel. They're on airplanes. You, you can't police them outside of the game. The, a lot of these guys hang out together. Even if they're not going to restaurants I uh, at away games... Uh, and being locked into the hotel, it there's other opportunities for them to slip up. There's other opportunities where it'll be self-contained. We're recently learning from the meatpacking factories that air circulation can be a way that the virus spreads. Yeah, it cir- circulated air, and that's when you're on an airplane. That's basically what you're dealing with the whole time. Um. So then you have these guys all enclosed on a single airplane. That becomes a problem. And as I said on the podcast, that's why I should have been in Arizona, because you could have bussed them over in multiple bus trips and it probably would have been fine. Uh, and then they could suffer through what the 18 year olds suffer through when they play in 108 degree games at 7 p.m. at night.
1: Yeah, well, let let's be real clear. Like on this, this is when they start playing again. There is a gamble aspect to this. And Rob Manford has already said, if a player doesn't want to play, we're we're going to respect that. And I hope they stick with that. If a, if a Major League Baseball player does not want to play this season because of all that, let them not play. Let give them the year off. Give them their service time. Don't pay them their salary. And and be good with that. That 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 would be my answer to that scenario. But at some point, somebody's going to test positive, and. All we can do is like hope and pray that their body reacts to this the way that the vast majority of people who are in that age group and are in pretty good shape r- respond to it because that's been, that hasn't been the trouble age group. But to say that it, there's a 0% chance that somebody could contract this and have a really bad outcome. That, you can't guarantee that. There's just no way to guarantee it. You don't know how anybody's body would react to it. So with that being said, there's there clearly is an aspect of gambling if and when they go forward with the baseball season.
0: Yes. Um, regardless, because we have seen a minor league player die of this. They were a 34-year-old minor league player, but still an athlete at the higher tier of the minor leagues, which is a step outside of Major League Baseball. Uh, we've seen athletes in other sports die of this. We, You're not infallible. Just because you're out of the likelihood of being the – I've said that word so much. Just because you're out of the likelihood of – being the, those most impacted doesn't mean you're not able to be impacted. It doesn't mean that you're untouchable from it. It's still a virus. It can still do what – it can still have an extremely negative impacts on your body. Um, it Long-lasting impacts besides death that could ruin your baseball career. And that's something that Blake Snell went on a rant about on his Twitch feed, which I, I thought was – has been – Quoted in a way that makes it look negative, but is very valid. And he deserves to get paid fully because the owner's not the one putting himself at risk. The players are.
1: All right. So, Uh, yeah. Let's get into the money thing a little bit. And I want to look, there's. I'm a big believer. I am a big, big believer that just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I don't understand, like how you got to your point and that's there's not a lot of that in this world right now and it, it bums me out so look, the the two kind of general thoughts on this are well these guys deserve to get paid and major league baseball owners are able to bring in all the extra profits on good years so the players shouldn't be uh you know, shouldn't be punished on a on a low revenue year, and then the other side of it is, oh come on, these guys get paid millions and millions of dollars to play a game. They can deal with a little bit less money for a half season for the greater good. Um, I. I think people who are on both those paths, like I understand where they are coming. If you're a guy who makes thirty grand a year and you've lost your job and you're seeing this baseball player have an opportunity to go make tons and tons of money and they're squabbling over this, like I, I get why you would think they're wrong. But I think that person also needs to understand why the baseball player thinks they're right. So this understanding of both sides is a really big deal for me in all this. And we, we probably won't too much as far as argue which side is right, is which side, and which side is wrong. But I do feel like it's important to understand each side of it. So just a little kind of. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast probably already know this, but for those who don't, I kind of want to go through this a little bit. A couple months ago, the players and the owners came to an agreement on the financial terms for the season. And basically the financial terms were if there was no season, players were going to be paid up to a certain date and they were going to receive their service time. And if there was a season, players would get paid a prorated salary for that year uh, so and and still get their service time so basically if you play a half season you would make half of what you were going to make now the moment I saw this and nobody was saying it at the time and I wish I would have said it louder because it definitely went through my mind, it clearly said in that agreement that uh, this was based off having fans in the stands they really, they, they there was like this little addendum at one point that said they do leave the door open for maybe beginning the season without fans, but they didn't really address the idea of of, of games being played without fans. And now we're at where we're at right now because Major League Baseball is trying to come back around and say, well, we actually want to play the players less because this isn't what we agreed to the first time. And the players are like, we've already taken our pay cut for the year. We're done with that. And that's where we're at right now, and I'm I'm disappointed in both sides that they went forward with that agreement before that didn't, no pun intended, cover all the bases because now we're stuck in this really tough place right now where – the players don't want to accept less money they've already taken their pay cut and i think that's a legitimate thought and the owners feel like they're going to bring in a lot less revenue this year and it's a really weird time and they want to share in the losses with the players even though they don't share in the profits but don't even you know they just want to share in the losses and to some that can be a legitimate thought as well so that's that's where we're at I don't even know what my question is to you, but there it is. I presented <laughs> as quick as I possibly could where we're at right now with the financial disagreements between the two.
0: Very accurately and very well. And I think the important thing that you're saying there is having empathy to what is supported by everyone. Um, you know, there are things I disagree with, even with my my good friend, Matt who we disagree about on core things but the thing is like we are empathetic to each other and understand why the other person and their situation makes them think that way and i think that's an important part of it is when you're when you're talking about this you need to understand that um, i think the important thing to consider is are are players making cheap amounts of money regardless no but also a majority of them are not millionaires uh, whereas all owners are billionaires, uh, millionaires actually, uh, not all of them are quite into the billion hemisphere, but they're they're pretty wealthy. Um, they at the same time like there's an incredibly hard dynamic to really figure out there, and that is why the debate is going on so long. If it was easy enough for any of us to cover, it would already be solved. And I think. There's a lot of details that will never be made public. My, my one addendum onto what Matt is saying is from both sides, take what you hear with a grain of salt. They're playing a PR game right now to try to get all fans to support them. So whether you support the fans or the owners, think about why you're supporting them. And if, if the information that made you feel that way is based on all the facts.
1: And the owners are doing a better job with the PR game than the players right now.
0: Yeah, a lot of it's because they're getting to control the story first and that is putting the players on the defensive and the players are doing a bad job of playing defense poli- uh, publicly about this. Um especially when they initially came out with the money plan and the MLBPA said, "Nope, we want our money" until Sean Doolittle was came out and was like, "No, I don't want to endanger my family." And they're like, "Oh, that's the line we should have played." Yeah.
1: You know what I would do? And There's probably not enough time to put together a scenario like I'm about to play out. But I feel like the owners are are beating the players right now in the PR battle. I think one way the players could could do it is if I was the players, I would go back to them and say, okay, we'll do the revenue share this year. We'll do the 50-50. This is a one-year-only thing. We are never, ever, 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 ever going to do this again. Oh, yeah, by the way... In the future, we are going to have uh, player payouts that are connected to overall Major League Baseball revenue. So when overall revenues reach number X, all of a sudden, a certain percentage of that money gets paid out evenly through the players. And then you hit another milestone. And when Major League Baseball hits this amount of revenue, oh, there's another full-scale payout. So we will, if you want us to take a revenue share in this year, we expect To be paid out in um, in in, to share in revenues. Now, the players would not there would not be a revenue share in terms of negative, where players would take less money moving forward. But because we know revenues are going to continue to go up, if I was the players, I would present that as the option to get them to take the revenue share for this year.
0: I think that's an idea I have also kind of heard and thought about the idea of capping max salary so everyone makes their full salary up to $8 million, but then deferring, like, for every $4 million you do not make, you'll make it in the year following the end of your salary or something along those lines.
1: I'm fine with that, yeah.
0: Um, I think there are compromises to be made. I don't think this ends with everyone making their full salary this year. Uh, but, yeah, I would... I think holding the owners to it like that is... Definitely an opportunity for the players to get some le- financial leverage in the future going forward.
1: Right, it's a really easy argument to say, okay, you want us to share in the losses this year. This year, that's fine, but we're doing it with the idea that we're then going to share in the in the gains moving forward. It's not, you know, the, I forget what the Scott Boris quote was about, you know, pr- you know, socializing the losses and and profiting off the the gains, whatever it was. Okay, so just. Moving forward, give give the players an opportunity to have more. You know, everybody's still going to sign their contracts. They're still going to make the money that they're going to make, but have some sort of windfall for when you reach certain standards in terms of overall revenue.
0: If you think it's bad this se- right now, wait until the offseason.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the problem with my plan is then all of a sudden owners and teams are going to be – Kind of including that in their thinking when they're doing contracts. So we'll pay this guy this much money, but look, we're gonna we're gonna have this much revenue this year, so we know they're gonna be part of the windfall. So that's that is the uh, that's the major flaw with my thinking.
0: Yeah. I I don't know. It's not going to be pretty. It's uh, especially that we have a contract negotiation starting or continuing right after this it's it's going to be a painful couple of two, three years uh, to get the Midwesterner out of me uh, going forward in this little debate. And it's going to be a lot of talk about money. It's going to be a lot of talk about what is it and isn't fair. And it'll be interesting to see what the state of baseball is after this.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what it's going to be. And it's always, I always kind of, I've said this before, I've never understood why... I think a lot of fans... You know, we live in a, in a society and a culture where we root for the underdogs. And if we don't have a dog in the fight, we're going to go with the one who's the, who's the underdog. And if, it's a, if we're referring to it as a fight between players and owners... Players are millionaires, but owners are billionaires. So from a, from that perspective... You feel like the players would be the underdogs, yet so many fans side with with ownership. And it's always been something that I've never completely understood. And I'm not... I'm not saying I always side with players. I'm not saying I always side with owners. Like I, I, I look at every situation, and I think there's times where owners are wrong, and I think there's times where players are wrong. It's not a, a 100% of the time thing, but there's a really large percentage of, of the baseball fan base that's automatically just going to side with with ownership, and they always say, oh, you know, these guys are making millions of dollars. Why why can't they take a few bucks less? And it's hard to say, well, actually the people that they're working for actually make billions of dollars and this amount of money isn't a big deal it's just such a it's a weird thing in sports and i think baseball probably more so than any other sport
0: yes especially when you have organizations like the yankees who are claiming oh we're going to take a 300 million dollar loss this year and a lot of the numbers as again as we talk about in uh mke tailgate because i don't want to claim any of these ideas of my own because a lot of them fully as my own because a lot of them are shared ideas that were discussed in the podcast that i thought some of the guys brought up and i thought were good points but uh the it really seems that the loss argument that they're talking about is a loss in profits made versus a loss in negative balance on the balance sheet um, you look at some of the numbers that are being explored and they're leaving out key th- things like media revenue sharing, like mm-hmm. the $1.3 that gets shared in media revenue. Uh, so if you're just not making $300 million in profits in your money printing factory that is the New York Yankees stadium and organization – why am I supposed to feel bad for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is this is a good example of you know, if there is, um, the Brewers are going to be fine. And look, I don't I don't have an inside look at their books, but everybody in Major League Baseball is going to be fine. What's going on right now absolutely is going to impact the Brewers more than it's going to impact other teams. If you're the Yankees and you own your television network, that's another revenue stream where if you're the Brewers and you know what, you've got a for the market that you're in, you've got a great deal with Fox Sports Wisconsin. It's a it's a perfectly respectable media deal for the market size that you're in, but the people that walk into Miller Park and the people that pay for parking and the people that buy beer That money does account for a larger percentage of total revenue for the Brewers than it does for larger market teams. So absolutely, I think this is something where you do have to go market by market. When you hear the Yankees complaining about how much money they could potentially lose, and I say lose in air quotes, you kind of shake your head at it because you know the market they're in and you know the kind of money they're going to come in. There are still going to be some people that are going to shake their head at the Brewers if they make comments like those. But it, whether you think they're going to lose money or whether they're just not going to make as much money, wherever you fall on that, you can. I, I don't think you can argue that what's going on right now absolutely does impact a Milwaukee Brewers more than it impacts large market teams.
0: I think that's true. I also wonder with the Brewers being in a very disadvantageous position, where they're coming off a, they're coming to an end of a media contract into the worst year possibly to ever renegotiate that. So in a time when they're expected to make millions and millions and millions of dollars on a new TV deal that catches them up to the fee that everyone else is making, they're coming off of that.
1: They'll figure it out. I mean, they could always just sign for one year and then reassess the market after that. They'll,
0: they'll figure it out. But I know a lot of fans were looking at that as a landmark moment of like, oh, this could be the thing that kind of evens us up with the other teams in our division, the other teams in our markets. Uh, well, look, this could uh, be the big thing, especially as they're coming off successful and, off of success and drawing in eyeballs. And then you get hit with this, and it's like, oh. All the leverage is gone.
1: Yeah, but you know what? It's not like they're negotiating with some local guy who owns one TV station and it's in Milwaukee. Like they're they're Fox Sports Wisconsin's part of the, you know, it's part of Sinclair and it's part of a large group. Their their ratings, the it, you could actually argue the other side. But if there's not fans in the stands this year, the ratings are going to be through the roof. And while, yeah, there absolutely is local money that goes along with that. When you're when you're Fox Sports Wisconsin, when you're part of Sinclair, there's national ad sales that go with that as well. I maybe I'm maybe I'm just uh, being a honk for somebody. I don't know, uh, but I feel like. Even in the situation we're in right now, the uh, Mo- the Milwaukee Brewers local TV ratings stand up as some of the best local TV ratings in the country. We're talking uh, Kansas City and St. Louis and, and Milwaukee. The- a lot of these Midwestern cities who love baseball have great TV ratings, and at the end of the day, ratings is, is what's going to get – Result in, in how much they're going to make. So if it's a really bad situation and I'm and I'm underselling it, then yeah, maybe they do a one-year deal and they come back and they they reevaluate the market there. But i I think th- I think it's going to be there. I, I I have very little doubt that they're going to be fine.
0: I don't know. I hope that's true, but I just see how other all organizations are making negotiations go as a result of the argument of losses right now and how they're trying to leverage that. It and especially when baseball's crying poor, and then the, like how can they yell at another organization for crying the same thing?
1: Yeah, but is there, um, is there somebody else out there who would pay the money for it too? I guess that's you know it's an open free market. Now it's hard to imagine a scenario where Fox Sports Wisconsin isn't running Brewers games. I admit, you know you may just be negotiating against yourself, but it's still a really powerful product to put on the air.
0: Hey, maybe the Cubs Network comes in and they have the Brewers and the Cubs.
1: I don't like that idea.
0: <laughs> it's an awful idea.
1: And they're oh, – no, 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 no. That doesn't work at all because they're owned by Sinclair too. Oh, are they? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I guess their partner is Sinclair. They're owned by the Cubs, but their partner is Sinclair. All right.
0: Well, then that squashes that. Yep. Yeah,
1: sorry. but uh, Sinclair,
0: damn media conglomerates <laughs> taking over the world.
1: All right, before I let you go, I want to get into some of the uh, draft stuff coming up. Drafts going to be weird this year. Just five rounds. Anybody who doesn't get selected can sign as an undrafted free agent and make a really, really small amount of money. A lot of uh, a lot of college baseball players are going to be back next year. You know, even seniors got that extra year of eligibility. If you weren't for sure going to be a top five pick, go back to college for another year. And uh, next year there should be more money available. Uh, this is connected to the larger issue of what's minor league baseball is going to look like in the future and how many players are really going to be needed but this draft it's 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 gonna be a weird year and if you're not totally sure that you're going to be drafted in those first five rounds and even that the money might not be exactly the same it won't be exactly the same uh this is uh this is a weird year this is this is not the year that you want to be going into the draft as a baseball player
0: i hate it i hate it so much (laughs) i'm sorry there's a lot of speculation about how teams are going to go about it and whether or not just because you have less quote unquote bullets in the gun you end up taking almost all low floor collegiate players that are likely going to end up having a role on your team Uh, so it could pretty significantly have a negative impact on the high school market which then floods any combination of collegiate and junior, junior college teams making a taking away playing time from other players who could become standouts we know plenty of examples of players who had zero eyes on them zero scholarships who became top draft picks in college we know of many players who became late round draft picks who ended up having a decent pro career because of what they were able to achieve in college not what they didn't uh in the younger or in their high school and that hurts those players. The other thing is that very few people from what we understand on the knowledge we've been given wanted this in baseball. The players didn't want it, even though they gave the owners the power to do it. Thanks. Because uh, the MLBPA loves to negotiate with the rights of the players they don't represent. Uh, <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation that will get us on a 45-minute tirade. But there's that. Uh, But then from our understanding of what happened is there were a few owners who fought and fought and fought for this. And Manfred agreed that it was the call, made the call. There were other owners and a lot of front offices who wanted the 10 rounds. They wanted them in their full but allegedly what happened is initially the major league came and said, okay, rounds one through five operate as normal as they're currently set up. Round six through 10 operate on a hard cap and the caps are half of the current allotments for the picks and the players have to sign for those or less. The MLB PA did the right thing and did not agree to that, which then MLB took and said, screw it five rounds, which is about savings, I believe Baseball Prospectus ran this number of about $1 million per team. Not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. For something a lot of <laughs> teams didn't even want, according to what we're hearing. Yeah. So you're hurting that entire ecosystem over the wishes of a few owners. It doesn't even sound like a majority of owners. And possibly showboating over the MLBPA not coming to an agreement that you wanted them to come to. It's upsetting because it's hurt. You can go down the system and see how it affects everyone at each individual level.
1: This is a very small part of it as well, but just I think one very small component that you didn't mention when going through all that. We're also in a period where we've seen colleges drop baseball programs. So all of a sudden there's not only is there already going to be more college baseball players available, there's also going to be more college baseball players available for less teams. Yes.
0: On top of that, you're looking at the first steps to draft contraction. Next year, I believe the agreement is for the draft to be 20 rounds, and the organ- er, which is setting up contraction of the minor leagues very well. A fight that those minor league teams I feel were winning heading into this. Pandemic happens, all of a sudden now it looks like we are talking about losing most of those teams or them being brought into the MLB facilitated dream league, which is an exploitation of players who could be making more money in Indie Ball, uh, over the lie that they will have their dreams fulfilled. While meanwhile Reducing the draft to twenty rounds, it it is all hard to look through with a positive light on the end result. I think it's set up f- to hurt the players, hurt the colleges, hurt the farm systems, and because the farm systems are therefore being hurt, hurt the major league system, or hurt the major leagues. Uh, it, when there's less opportunities, there's less incentive for players to play baseball over the other sports. It, so you've already been losing out on American talent for how long? And it, we are a year or two, a few years away from an international draft, which will then hurt the international market as well, because it will limit further the money that players can make on that market. So we're looking at a setup that I think is overall very detrimental to the baseball feeder system that ends up coming to the major leagues. And I think it is will hopefully be corrected somewhere along the line. There's still plenty of opportunities for it to be corrected somewhere along the line. Uh, I know a lot of people think, including in organizations, think this is an opportunity for a couple of years of super drafts where you have high round talent that is available throughout the draft. But even if that ends up being true, the total outcome will be overall negative. And it just it, – it disappoints me that baseball can't look past this single instance and instead focuses on an opportunity to benefit from a bad.
1: Yeah. You said a lot there, and – Quite honestly, we probably don't have time to like go through everything that you said. Let's let's get into like uh, uh, there's not going to be a minor league season this year. That's uh, there was that report oh, no. there was that report that came out that said there was not going to be a minor league season, and then minor league baseball came out and was like, nope, that, nothing's been decided yet, and everybody decided to really be critical of the person who reported it, and what the person reported was that agents are basically, were basically being told, you know, there's not going to be a minor league season. They, it is, it is not feasible. While it is incredibly feasible to run a major league baseball season without fans because of TV revenue, it is just as non-feasible to run a minor league season. Like I, You cannot do it you there's too you just all those things that have been claimed by major league uh, teams in terms of losing money like that is totally legit at the minor league level i've i worked for teams that i know they just they could they're barely staying alive without games with games without fans they would die There's just no way that they could survive that. So let's start with that. No minor league season. Maybe they're going to run games on the backfields at spring training complexes. Uh, We know that this taxi squad at the major league level could be as many as 50 people, so that's going to take less. But this, this is not going to be the best year in terms of player development for any organization.
0: No, it could be beneficial. The odd thing is we don't know if having a year off is beneficial or detrimental. I wonder if it's beneficial for someone like a Bryce Terang who really seems to have a lot of the skill set needed already to advance quickly at the minor league, but a lot of what is he's relying on is physical maturation, uh, building muscle. In, in, this, in a season, it's hard for any player to focus on really building muscle. What you're trying to do is sustain muscle during a, a time when you're constantly expelling calories and seeing muscle deterioration and weight loss. You listen to players and they'll often talk about how they weighed 25 more pounds at the beginning of a season because of the, it's just hard to catch up to what you're putting out. So in, in terms of players who can like actually focus on the physical maturation and maybe just need to age, um or pitchers who really could use a year off to truly benefit and get themselves back on instead onto the field versus feeling the pressure from all sorts of different areas uh forcing them back onto the field we know that uh pitchers who take extra time off it does benefit their arm It, it, it we've seen that as a result we don't know quite how it benefits the arm in full because there hasn't been enough opportunity for us to really understand that but we know like players who take an extra year off from tommy john surgery actually end up having healthier careers as a result of it but they end up coming in the minimum time because that's the compulsion from every area in their life when we so it, there could be a small percentage of players who benefit overall you're looking at players who need game time who need Playtime, time, and they're going to be stagnated at the levels that they, they're being frozen in time. Along with not being able to be in their team complexes, be managed, players who need that oversight might actually be going backwards because they might be losing muscle that they otherwise would gain. They might be making decisions that are otherwise negatively impactful on their careers and their bodies. They might be putting themselves in situations that are Less than ideal. Um, so th- there's more opportunity for it to be bad for more players than I think there is opportunity for it to be good.
1: You know, it's um, it's a weird deal because everything that's going on. I like if if they were going to a five round draft, if they were not going to do a minor league baseball season, if they were going to try to cut these costs and if the if the motivation behind it was baseball saying look these are unprecedented times we're going to do everything that we need to do to play a major league baseball season this year but that is going to be our sole focus that's the only thing that we are focused on this year we know there's going to be losses we know there's going to be some tough times everything else in- involved in our operation we are going to either limit significantly or get rid of for this year because we're going to focus on just pulling off a major league baseball season if that's the motivation for everything like it it stinks but I can deal with it I, I would understand it I would get it but going back to everything you said before where there seems to be Maybe some ulterior motives of the minor league contraction, the eventual long-term contraction of how many rounds the draft would be, the less opportunities for players. It feels different. So it feels like they're using this situation where I think it's – maybe you'll disagree with me, and it's fine if you do, Brad. If you're doing it just in the vein of, look, we're just trying to have a season this year and we're not going to worry about another thing, I'm fine with that. But it's, it's all that other stuff that you mentioned that's kind of simmering underneath that's being hidden that does at times worry me about these decisions that are being made.
0: Yeah, well, I think the, the thing is for us is we're – we know that this was a goal and an objective that Rob Manfred was attempting to reach and uh, instructed to reach before this all happened. And because we know that was true before all this, we can see that they're taking advantage of the situation. The very few people who make this a priority to pay attention to, uh, so people who have emotional ties to the minors like yourself, people who have nothing better to do with their time than watch 15 games in a day like me, we, under- we can see every step they took from December up to the pandemic, and see, this is where they wanted to go all along. And now they're like, oh, great opportunity, opportunity to do what we wanted in a fight. They were losing. I I think minor league contraction for at least this year was not going to happen. Um, I, I think they were losing that fight because the public battle had shifted. I mean, the, the senators from both sides of the aisle were fighting them on it. Yeah. And this is a convenience to them. That is allowing them to do exactly what they wanted to do anyway. We have heard rumors of them wanting to shrink the draft for years. We, we are confident that it was a goal of theirs. And now they're using a tragedy to enact it. Which I think is pretty disgusting. It, all along with the lie that, like, no, this isn't full-time. I, I think the one good thing that comes out of this is we get a universal DH.
1: Ah! No, and I'm you're you're probably right, but I'm so against it. Well, it, I
0: love it, and it'll make the Brewers better. Because think about like our, I don't think the Brewers are the NL team that's best suited for. Uh, I think they're top five, top three, maybe even. But the Dodgers run away with that prize, and oh. teams best situated to have a uh, DH in the NL. They have so many powerful weapons on that roster, and that then you open another damn door for them to use one. To get more into their lineup, like oh, now this means Jock Peterson can play without you having to force him in the outfield, stuff like that.
1: Okay, but uh, hold on, let let's. Let...
0: Yeah, yeah, let's go back and finish the minor
1: league. No, <laughs> no, 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 I want to say so. But nobody else has Craig Council, and Craig Council is so incredibly smart. I don't know if there is another manager in the National League who has, who is as intelligent as Craig Council, and when you have National League rules, you have so many more opportunities to use your intelligence to help your team win.
0: Yes, but I still think that a lot of what Craig Council has done over the last few years, to help the Brewers win is bullpen management and pitching management to a T that helps find success. I think that is 100% still applicable because the things that the DH in terms of starting pitching and bullpen management is one, it's the biggest in starting pitching and bullpen management. And that you wouldn't have to make the difficult decision in the sixth inning when your pitcher comes up to pull a pitcher who's cruising but might flounder at any time and go to a reliever in the seventh. And that that's a risky gamble. Craig Council ditches his pitcher in the fourth or fifth anyway. So, like, that benefit, that strategic benefit is kind of leaving modern baseball as it is because I think – Craig after 2018 instituted that in other teams and other teams started following through with it Uh, to the point I think the, the position the Brewers were staging themselves to be in with multiple ways to shape their lineup in order to base favorable pitching matchups in a time when pitchers were going to be forced to pitch to the three batters maybe you lose a little bit of that. But I think the advantageous nature of the way Craig Council manages his baseball team is not gone through having a DH. In fact, I think the team becomes more powerful because you have three spots on the three areas in the roster that have an influx of theoretical talent, of theoretical plus talent. Um, I still think, even though I've ragged on him, and ragged on him, and ragged on him, I think there's hope for Orlando Arcia. Luis Urias is better at second base. Hira has not proved himself to be a major league defender at this point. You can mix those three up and get all three in the lineup. Then there's the obvious one with Ryan Braun in the outfield. Obviously, Garcia deserves regular playing time. He has shown himself to be a strong competitor uh, with uh, above average talents. And then there's some guy named Christian Yelich in the other corner. Then you have Omar Naivayas, who is a defensive liability behind the plate from everything we understand, but has a dangerous bat from the left side. I think, as a Brewer fan, imagining the way he can configure lineups with those guys is a fun thing to think about, along with mixing in the other role players and replacing them into the lineup. I think that becomes fun to think about. And I, I see it as still being an advantageous chess match that Craig Council can have going forward. I've used a lot of the same words repeatedly in this conversation. Wow.
1: That's okay. We've been on for like an hour, so and I'm going to let you go here pretty soon. Uh, so the, there's only so many words in the English language, especially when talking about baseball. <laughs> I, look, I, I still think you're like Craig Council still is going to be able to, to manage that and do a good job. I, just, I think – I think intelligent managers who make really good decisions are spotlighted even more with National League rules. Yes,
0: I just think with the, what Craig Council does to make himself successful, he the Major League the National League rules help, but they aren't needed as much as other managers in the past who have made themselves stand out.
1: You know, as we get closer to baseball being played, we'll actually get to start like talking about the advantages of. The 30-man roster and the 50 guys overall and the taxi squad and how that's going. Like, so I was excited about Logan Morrison during spring training, and I was doing the numbers crunch. Like, How does this guy make the team? Because I think he makes the team better, and now it's like, okay, Lo- he can be on the team. That's good.
0: <laughs> because they're going to have 28 people or whatever, right. 29 people. Um <laughs> So, and also, just having twenty nine people on the roster makes the team better because it does give Craig Council, the one of the most intelligent managers in baseball, more opportunities to move those pieces, those dangerous pieces around, whether it be bullpen or uh, in the lineup itself. So, it this is, although I don't like the division as it currently theoretically sits for the brewers where they're basically playing for those who don't know they just hard hard shoved for the most part with a minor change uh the al and nl central together <laughs> i just shoved them and said you're a division now which means the indians and the twins are now part of the division with the cubs and the cardinals i like the arizona formation of the
1: Oh, yeah, they would have better. won that division. <laughs> the the second-best team would have been the Padres. They would have won that division. At one point uh, when the divisions first came out, the Braves were going to be in the Central and the Pirates were going to be in the East. And in some ways that makes zero sense because, like, the Marlins and Rays are in the East and then all the other teams up the coast are, are in the East. Uh, I saw. I think it was... Um, a good friend of mine, guy by the name of uh, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who is the broadcaster for the Lansing Lugnuts and wrote a book uh, about baseball terminology. He's a great follow on Twitter, even if you don't care about Lansing Lugnuts baseball. Uh, he made the point that it should be the Blue Jays that are in the Central and then move the Pirates into the Eastern portion of all that. And that actually makes a ton of sense. But does that matter? Because
0: we don't even know if we're going to be able to cross the border.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, they may be they may be the uh the Dunedin Blue Jays this year and that's their spring training home in Florida because right now the way i understand it is you you step foot into Canada, you got to you got to sit out for 14 days before they let you roam the country.
0: Yep. And then can you even come back in?
1: <laughs> Our borders are still closed, aren't they? Don't ask me that. I don't. I don't know the <laughs> stipulations. Like, I, I feel like if you're an American citizen, you can still get back in.
0: Uh, probably true. Yeah, but uh, but there's
1: not. It's they're not all American citizens who are playing baseball either. Right. Yeah.
0: So it becomes a very like the Blue Jays are just going to be playing and like they're going to get the Coliseum up and running and they're just going to throw them on the West Coast.
1: <laughs> Put them in Vegas. They've got that new AAA ballpark in Vegas. Put them in Vegas. <laughs> Uh
0: yeah, go for it. Make, yeah. make them suffer in the heat. I'm pro. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, we could have talked about a lot more, but we're at an hour and three minutes. So I will thank you for your time as we are coming up on midnight as we're recording this. And uh, we'll do this again soon. But this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to kind of talk through some of the issues going on right now in baseball. Thank you for human contact in some way, or shape, or form. Uh, do you? I, we already talked about everything you guys are doing at uh, at at Brew Crew Ball. Is there anything else you need to plug before I officially let you go? <sighs>
0: yeah. Uh, so draft is coming up, so we're doing our annual draft coverage, looking at uh, the areas the Brewers can go. So generally, what I do is I just take five players from every kind of sphere: college pitching, college hitting, high school pitching, high school hitting, and. Just throw them up there. In the past few years, we've gotten everyone but or, or everyone mentioned on there. Is, so you get a little scouting preview before the Brewers draft them. It's not me guessing, so I can't claim like, oh, I nailed this one, because uh, it's like 30 players thrown into five or four articles. So I can. I, it's not a brag. It's just me saying like, it's nice to read through those guys and have an idea of who the Brewers are uh, take. Uh, when they go there so that way they take and you can see like oh Brad Brad said he's the best college hitter Keston Hira and uh, teams are afraid to take him because of his arm so there are those articles coming and then of course we'll have our draft coverage coming and I'm not sure what that's going to look like right now but yeah watch the site and I, I always try to really put a lot of energy into our draft coverage so hopefully you enjoy it
1: and then after that, what if uh, Jimmy Nelson wouldn't have taken a big turn at first?
0: Uh, if anything, that might come before. All because, right. Because uh, what if week ended last week, but I can still sneak it in.
1: Okay, fair enough. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Brad Ford joining us here on Brewers x the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We just spoke for over an hour, and I feel like we did not even get as deep into things as I would have liked to have been able to do. I mean, these these issues facing baseball right now they it's a there, there's a lot of nuance to it there's so many different kind of prongs and tentacles and everything and look it's it's easy to have like strong beliefs on on one side or another but it it most of these issues are not black and white there certainly are a lot of shades of gray and at the end of the day all i can do is hope and, and i think it's going to I don't think we're not going to have a baseball season this year because either players or owners are going to just stick their heads in the mud about money. I think both sides are smart enough to realize in everything that's going on in our country right now, they can't just not play because of money. Now, if they can't play because we have a second wave of the coronavirus, if their safety isn't uh, there, that's one thing. If some players choose not to play this year, I, I think that's a very possible thing to have happen. Some players say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sit this one out and just see what the, uh, what everything looks like next year. I think that's possible. But I, I, until it happens and I realize that this is, this is a sport that has had labor issues before and has missed time at, at, at bad opportunity, I, I get all that. At the end of the day I just maybe I just I have faith in people. I just feel like as as contentious as it might get between the two sides to work through something they're going to work it through and they're they're going to find a, a scenario that works for uh, all sides involved. All right, as always, uh, here at the end of the podcast, we promote what's going to be coming up on WTMJ this week. We continue with our Brewers Classics. They run every Wednesday night beginning at 6 o'clock. I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed uh, listening this past week going back to Game 1 of the Rockies of that 2018 NLDS when Mike Moustakas had the the walk-off hit in extras. We're going to go back a little further, though, this upcoming Wednesday, May 20th. We're going to go back to a game against the Cleveland Indians in 1992. The thing that was significant about that game, Robin Yount picked up hit number 3,000. So you're going to be able to relive that game coming up this Wednesday night. Coverage is set to begin at 6 o'clock on uh, WTMJ, streaming at WTMJ.com for folks who are in the WTMJ listening area. You can also listen to it uh, on the stream. My appreciation to uh, Brad Ford for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I I do think baseball is going to be played. I feel like at times that conversation went a little negative in terms of some of the things going on right now the most important thing is i think baseball is going to be played i just really believe uh each side is going to be able to uh get enough of what they want to be able to work out a plan for baseball to be played this year we'll see what happens in the next week new things happening every single week it's a dynamic situation here at the moment and uh, we'll look at the uh, the changes from this week to next week we'll do that next week on another edition of brewers extra Needs the podcast powered by WTMJ.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.